Hello and welcome to the Veeam Community Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Vanover. This is episode 143, What's Going On in the Test Lab. Uh, today, my guest is Kevin O'Brien. How you doing, Kevin? Doing pretty well. Well, hey, thanks for being on the podcast. And, and Kevin, I've always admired what you're doing here uh, from Storage Review. Give me a full introduction of you, Storage Review, what you do and all that, because I think the listeners really need to know about some of the stuff you guys do. So I've been uh, working at Storage Review for about uh, 10 years now with Brian Beeler. And uh, we've really started off from, uh, well, day one was consumer tech and uh, storage related to external hard drive, stuff like that. And we had to migrate from how to handle uh, consumer storage to migrating upstream. And uh, from that period of time, we start off with uh, two servers in a closet uh, to a couple servers in a rack, to bigger racks, more racks, uh, restructuring the building. And uh, now we have a uh, six rack data center in our uh, main lab, uh, another rack uh, downstairs in the lower lab for uh, backup uh, devices and then kind of utility uh, network and switching stuff. But we've we've been trying to adapt with the market as things, have, uh, different trends have changed. Uh, it's like when we, it almost feels like the hard drive market where when we first started, there were like tons of SSD vendors and now there's not as many. Sandforce that used to populate the uh, countless number of SSDs is almost gone now. And now it's, you're looking at uh, the Intels, the Samsungs, the Microns and others where uh, really came down to do you own a fab? Do you own a controller? And that's what you're seeing out in the marketplace. So that area is contracted, but it doesn't mean that the storage market has gotten boring. You look at um, the enterprise space and you have the NVMe world that is developing at an area where you have your read-centric, your light, uh, your heavier read, your uh, mixed workloads, your heavy workloads, all these different things, and it's staying very exciting. Yeah, and so right there, Kevin gave a good insight to what happens here at this lab. And you might say six racks and two in the basement, that's not impressive, but no, it is. Let me explain. So what they do is they actually move different systems through, and they have, and that's going to be my next question of what he likes of what's in here right now. But they move different systems through, and they do a number of different you know, performance tests, and they go through cycles with them, and that type of stuff. They put them through workloads that really give you a sense of, you know, the capabilities of some of these products. And it's a, the part that makes this a little bit different than what you find from in-house at uh, HP or Dell or those guys is uh, they'll stand up an environment, run their workloads, get their hero numbers out, and then um, tear everything down. Six months later, a new product, different, different workloads, uh, things change. Our environment, we tend to keep things static for probably a year, year and a half, where we'll have different arrays start coming in and we'll have similar workloads. So while we don't always put vendor A versus vendor B up head to head in the same review, we keep things consistent. So a lot of the, um, a lot of our reviews will have a this similar type of testing approach. So you can kind of compare how things have evolved through the uh, storage space. You want to see the uh, NetApp A200 versus the A300 versus the A800 and on kind of look uh, look like against one another, you can do that. And that that's what makes us a little bit different where we have, we're not really, we don't hold allegiance to any one company. We have a lot of vendors that uh, supply us with equipment uh, where we own the building, we provide electricity, and we have Eaton that provides us racks, Dell that gives us servers, Lenovo that gives us a lot of vendors that provide servers, storage, uh, networking equipment, and allow us to test any third party that comes into the lab. 
Yeah, and that's really an interesting use case. I remember before I joined Beam, I did some comparative research, and that's an area that's really tough to do. You know, it, it's you, expensive. It's expensive. It's hard. It's coming up with criteria is even sometimes difficult. But you know, that's also a good plug here. Is that you know, I recommend the listeners to check out StorageReview.com. You know, they're going to profile so many different types of things. You know, it's a cross between news. Uh, performance benchmarks, reviews, and different storage technologies, and including some end-user technology reviews like SSDs, workstations, uh, PCIe, external stuff, portable drives, Soho NAS, and accessories. Just yeah, so I'll review things from yeah. down to a little micro SD card up to million-dollar flash arrays. So it's, I mean, it, depending on the day of the yeah. week, I could be working with consumer tech or really high-end enterprise, which is in itself just kind of a crazy thing to think about where one day it's like I might be testing something that's $25 another day a couple hundred thousand and it's crazy because I'll walk through the environment here and I'll say oh what do you think of this hard drive and I love this guy he just goes through some scenarios and details and characteristics of it that I have to almost like pull up a chair and then take in this information so really really good stuff so I want to ask you a question Kevin you know because every time I come down here I'm, I'm based in Columbus Ohio this is just two hours away here in Cincinnati Ohio and every time I come here I love seeing some of the new toys and stuff and I always ask you what's new or what do you like that's running through right now and you highlighted uh, two products in particular so I'll ask you here for the listeners what are the top two storage products or at least the stuff over in the the main lab that you have in place now that you, that you really like, and tell me about those products. So uh, right now, I think, I mean, we test a lot of things. So there's um, certain items will stand out based on their performance levels, others on their feature configura uh, configurations. And uh, two things that stand out right now are the uh, Lenovo SR950. It's a, um, uh, a 4U or is it 5U server? It's a pretty big platform that uh, what makes it unique is uh, you can configure in both uh, four and eight uh, CPU configurations and it's not just two different blades under the same chassis uh, in different namespaces it's eight CPUs uh, uh, supported in one OS uh, so you can field upgrade this thing from four to eight CPUs by just inserting another uh, motherboard into it and you're good to go um, it is for you it's a for you okay. yeah so that's actually a lot of power in a relatively small amount of space yeah, and we've been uh, we've been testing it uh, through a couple of projects. We've had our uh, four minutes back work where uh, we're working with um, the Intel persistent memory. Uh, we tested it as a uh, bare bones server uh, with VMware uh, a few months ago. It's been a pretty fun platform to have uh, floating around the lab. Uh, we also have the uh, NetApp uh, 800, which is their uh, top end a uh, NVMe platform, which it's. I mean, as you look at some of the NVMe devices coming to the market, there's there's a lot of different interface standards, and some vendors will pick a very specific path to go down, and you either take that path or you don't, but it, it will only work in that particular scheme. NetApp, what makes them a little bit, I mean, they're looking at the broad market, and you can do uh, normal Ethernet, you can do normal FCP uh, uh, fiber channel, you can do uh, NVMe over fiber channel. You can basically pick whatever interface you need, or all of them at the same time, you don't have to really pick one. That's what makes, I think NetApp is looking more at the broader picture, uh, which from a testing perspective, it's kind of fun because I can I can throw our legacy workloads on it or I can configure new ones to uh, take advantage of it, but you're not just stuck down one path. 
But I think that's really important because a lot of organizations, they have other workloads. Not everything is, you know, the latest and greatest uh, type of application design. There's still block storage that might need to be provisioned and used and consumed and things like that. So I, I really like that angle. I've always been impressed with NetApp's approach to software. Um, I used to say many years ago that I, I really think that they had the most advanced software stack for quote unquote traditional software vendors. And you know when you see, especially with new platforms like NVMe, they can you know deliver it pretty uh, in versatile ways. I think that's rather impressive. And I'll also say that that unit actually looks pretty cool in the rack. That's yeah. a, it's a slightly different blue. I like it. Yeah, it's they have uh, different drive carriers, so you know it's different because yeah, they're blue. Exactly. Um, it, it's a it's a power hungry platform, but it's very very high performance. Uh, it's not your mom and pop just SAS SSDs. It's you're buying it for uh, performance needs. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, we have a lot of other projects that come in. We'll work. Yeah, we have uh, different uh, SMB platforms. Uh, the QNAP. Uh, I think it's the TS. Uh, 1635 perhaps uh, but it has uh, 12 hard drive bays uh, four for uh, uh, four for SSDs and then some internal M.2 slots and you can have put in anything you want and now they're adding uh, I think it might be out of beta their uh, fiber channel support hmm. which is uh, kind of SMB moving up uh, market versus uh, some of these guys are just pushing their prices down into uh, the SMB space from enterprise that brings up a good point because a lot of times I, I try to unpack this a little bit and you know translate it to practical information and the one thing I, I should highlight is that probably and correct me if I'm wrong Kevin every mainstream hard drive manufacturer or SSD manufacturer chances are you've seen it come through here is that a fair assessment I mean most yeah, yeah. yeah I mean we've some will come and go uh, depending on uh, the proxy they're releasing or their allegiances to sure. different uh, controller vendors sure. but we've had pretty much everything come through the lab over the years. Yeah, and I think, you know, as practical information, I recommend everyone check out storagereview.com because I'm just looking at some of the current content here and it, it always never ceases to amaze me, you know. So here's a review of an, of an SSD, a DC100B and Western Digital Red and, you know, uh, SK Hynix, never heard of them. I don't, might not even be saying it right. You know, you just keep on going down and they've got all this great Kingston, you know, all these great reviews on individual components. When you have decision purchases, you know, if you think about making a home lab, I might want to get the best hard drives, right? This is a resource that can help me do that. So I just encourage everyone to check that out. So hey, Kevin, I mean, you know, we went through the drill here with V10 here. That was our theme today. But, you know, I've always been impressed with how you manage the different labs and the different environments. Um, I got a random question here for you. How do you manage, like, because you are you mentioned the six racks up here. Stuff comes out, stuff goes in, and hopefully in that order. Yeah. Um, but, you know, do you have any practical tips for people on managing, like, changes in the, in the rack layout, you know, when stuff comes in and stuff comes out? Because you probably do it a lot more than most people. Yeah, so. Yeah, what kind of tips do you have about rack organization? So right now we have, uh, it's almost a cartwheel approach to our switching. We don't have uh, really the uh, top of rack switches. Ours are center mounted and we have a fan out mechanism for all the um, uh, switch cabling that goes from or I could show uh, yeah, or you could probably show a little picture yeah we can take a picture sure yeah and uh, we have our uh, switches uh, mounted centrally and then all the uh, cables fan out so instead of trying to um, tangle everything together mm -hmm. 
uh, normally we you know things get tangled over time we we will have some equipment that might only be in here a couple of weeks that is cabled with eight or ten cables and depending on how things go it gets you know, a little bit messy but it's trying to uh, focus on how do you have the least amount of overlapping cables uh, and that's where we've gone through a couple of different iterations and uh, this cartwheel approach has actually worked out pretty well hmm. and it keeps our primary things uh, off to the side and the uh, the more transient uh, devices will stay closer to the center and we have uh, when those go in and out, they they don't really mess with the uh, devices that are further down the uh, rack stream. Well, that's awesome. I've never heard that phrase, the cartwheel approach. Do you make that up, or is it? I think I've heard it in the supercomputer space, but not specifically okay. for tangled cables. I think <laughs> it's more of just how you get everything connected with the shortest possible cable. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. We'll definitely add a picture here to the podcast notes. Well, just a quick chat, Kevin. I really appreciate everything. Um, you can find Kevin on Twitter, and I do recommend you do that. He's on Twitter at, ah, sorry, there it is, Test Lab Nut. And I wanted to make sure I had that while looking at it, so I didn't mess it up. And that's uh, that's Kevin O'Brien at Storage Review. You can also follow Storage Review on Twitter at Storage Review and then StorageReview.com. Any other things you want to promote? Any projects you're working on, or just? Drive it to the website or anything? Well, uh, I mean, in a couple of days, uh, maybe tomorrow, we're going to be working on a uh, video talking about how to completely power down our lab. Uh, we had a couple of memories uh, of uh, different power fields through the years, and we had one where uh, uh, on the street just outside our office, a uh, pickup, or no, a dump truck went down at uh, oh, wow. 40 miles an hour with its bed up and tore down the uh, main three phase connection across oh, uh, wow. to get our entire little. Uh, yeah, this whole division, this whole development here. Yeah, it, oh, wow. we were out of power for probably 12 hours, and that was one of the days where it's like you get power blips, and it's trying to see like how long is it going to last. And I remember walking out trying to figure out what happened because it was a nice sunny day. Yeah. And uh, here's some sirens, and I walk down, and all of a sudden I see like four power poles torn out of the ground, and like this cable dragged along the road, and it was just oh, a disaster. Oh, goodness. That is, well, it's, it's amazing, but it's also horrible. Hopefully no one was hurt. No, just Too, someone's pride. Yeah, right, right. But uh, no, that's a good, interesting angle, because, you know, uh, sometimes like a managed power down is, is, is hard to think about. Yeah, because, and it's powered up. I mean, yeah. you're thinking about all the devices where if it's shared storage that relies on networking coming up, how, oh, which man. devices do you bring up uh, initially? And we've had to go through this enough times where either through lab upgrades and we move equipment around or through uh, disasters. Yeah. And it's like, wh where do you start picking up the pieces? So that's that's a fun, uh, it's going to be a fun project. That's an interesting on. little scenario. I haven't given that much thought. But yeah, definitely check it out uh, on their website for that. So, Kevin, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>